Hello and welcome back to episode 45 of the T-Draft the Film Buff podcast. Lots to get to this week. Um, we're going to do a list at the end. We're going to review a couple movies, go through some news. Some stuff just broke literally minutes, hours before I started this. Um, but first up top, might as well start it out with uh, the fact that Max von Sydow, uh, at age, I believe, 90, did pass away yesterday. Legendary uh, actor in cinema. And I was kind of looking at his, his IMDb, IMDb, and I noticed that I haven't seen a majority of his films. I didn't know he, he did over 160, or at least he has over 160 credits on IMDb. I mean, of course, you know, I'd seen him in his credits in Game of Thrones and Star Wars, um, but I remember him being in Minority Port. That was great. Of course, Shutter Island. Um, Awakenings, I don't even remember him being in that movie, although I don't remember that movie as much. Um, Russell Crowe, Robin Hood. Of course, his Oscar turn in Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. Uh, I mean, the absolutely beloved and acclaimed the Seventh Seal film. Uh, of course, that's an Ingmar Bergman film. I wasn't as much of a fan of it, uh, but perhaps I need a, a second look. It just it wasn't for me. Um, but but even like Dune, something like, the guy just did so much, so many different roles, different projects. He was never afraid to do something weird and out there, kind of like. Uh, apparently his turn in Flash Gordon, I believe he plays the villain. I've never seen that film. I, I don't know if I ever will, but uh, it just goes to show you that this guy was extremely versatile. He was loved by uh, by just about everybody. I mean, what a career. Um, yeah, I mean, rest in peace, man. He just great career, and, and uh, he left a, a big legacy. All right, but no no easy transition there, but uh, might as well get to the, the final Black Widow trailer that was released this morning. I've watched it a couple times, uh, and I, I really do dig it. And, and the reason I'm digging this film's marketing campaign is that it feels as close to Winter Soldier and Civil War as I feel like MCU may ever get again. Um, you know, we're constantly talking about how many Marvel films are going bigger and going more expensive, more CGI. And, and don't get me wrong, there's plenty of CGI in this trailer. Um, I mean, plenty of it. But it seems right up that Winter Soldier alley. And that was, t still to this day, my favorite uh, performance of Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow. Uh, and and this, it just seems like this is, a, this is a, a movie, an MCU movie about family. And I'm trying to think if, I mean... Besides Guardians of the Galaxy, which is like about found family, uh, I mean, what other MCU movie really deals with specifically family? I mean, Black Panther a little bit, uh, but it really is more of his and Killmonger's story than it is about him and his family. Um, not Captain Marvel, not really Spider-Man. Uh, the Avengers movies to a certain extent, but that's a different type of family. That's, you know, that's, again, that's found family in a different light. Um, but, I mean, unless I'm forgetting something, th this is like the first film that really, I feel like the entire main cast is all family members. Florence Pugh, Scarlett Johansson, David Harbour, and Rachel Weisz. Um, and and I'm, I'm down for it. I'm excited. I... I 
I still don't know what they're doing with Taskmaster. Like, he looks really cool. And from what we understand, I guess he's being played by the guy who is in Handmaid's Tale, among other things. But I don't know much about him otherwise. And if it's not him, like, who is playing Taskmaster? I don't even know much about the character to begin with. But if that's going to be your main villain, you got to have a compelling, uh, you know, reason for us to get behind that lack of relationship or, or kind of heated relationship between Black Widow and, and Taskmaster since she says in the trailer, you know, before I was an adventure, I made friends and made enemies, whatever that line was. Um, so I'm, I'm curious. I, at this point, I am I'm very intrigued and I'm curious. Uh, and I guess, you know, I'm, we're going to get to a story in a second here, but I, I guess that means that they're sticking with that release date. They're not going to move, unlike James Bond, uh, No Time to Die. Um, so, I mean... That's exciting as well, but we're at a wait and see here. Um, let's move on here. And this, this is what just broke maybe minutes, hours before this, the interview uh, that I don't remember which outlet did with Vin Diesel for Bloodshot, which I am stoked for that movie. As bad as it looks, I get such a kick out of these Vin Diesel vehicles, these movies that are, are just the, meant for the guilty pleasure audience. They pretty much everybody who goes into that knows it's not going to be good, but they still go anyway. Like we're going to get to another one of Vin's movies later on in this, um, but yeah, I, I cannot wait for Bloodshot. But he confirmed in an interview while promoting Bloodshot that apparently the Guardians are going to be in Thor four. It's not really a big surprise at all. Um, it's not like when they announced Iron Man's going to be in Captain America 2 and or Captain America 3, I mean, and we're like, what the hell? What are they doing with this? Like, what's going on here? Um, but, I mean, it, it's exciting. It makes Thor 4 even more packed. Uh, and, of course, again, I feel like this whole episode so far is like a, a certain theme. Might as well just address the, the fact that Christian Bale is apparently confirmed to play the villain in Thor 4 which Tessa Thompson confirmed. So it seems like these actors are talking too much in interviews if they're confirming these things before Marvel and before a major outlet actually confirms them. Um, but I think I feel like initially the plan was definitely to have Thor in Guardians 3 uh, instead of having the Guardians actors cross over. Um, but, I mean, if it works story-wise, I, I can't imagine they're going to have a big role at all. I, f I feel like that's probably a side arc um, for Thor. I, I really feel like that's probably the beginning of the movie. I don't even imagine them helping you know, anything later on towards the end of the film. I think that's going to mainly be Tessa Thompson, Natalie Portman, and Chris Hemsworth. Uh, but I feel like we're going to start out with the Guardians and Thor. I think that that's, that's the opening of the movie, maybe the first couple scenes, and then they're going to drop him off because there's some sort of issue in new asgard or whatever the case may be all right moving on uh you know i don't talk as much about the walking dead as i probably thought i would when i initially started this podcast i didn't you know, kind of figured i might do individual reviews um for each episode but we're on episode 11 of season 10 episode 11 of season 10 god i can't believe that um but the episode last night was fantastic but I, I i needed to include it on my notes here because i i don't know i can't imagine i was the only one but i mean there were some major parallels between this episode and the 
the bridge between A Night of Seven Kingdoms and the Long Night episode in Game of Thrones last season. Um, I mean, just the fact that they had Eugene uh, sing a song while everybody was kind of preparing for battle, um, much the same as Podrick's um, Jenny of Oldstone's song that he was singing uh, in A Night of Seven Kingdoms. So along with that, I mean, it's like they're all waiting outside the wall of their home um, while the living dead kind of approaches or the undead, whatever you want to call them. It's like, I mean, come on. This, this, it just felt straight. Like directing-wise, it felt like they took inspiration from Game of Thrones. Uh, I haven't watched Talking Dead yet with Greg and Nicotero, but I can't wait to hear what he says if that is a question that I can't, I feel like Chris Harwick wouldn't ask him that question. It would seem too much like of a crossover, but Game of Thrones is not even on the air anymore, so it's not really competition. Walking Dead um, is, is is still on while Game of Thrones is not. So I, I don't know if that's it's really um, as much of a, a, a rival as it, as it once was because I don't know if there was ever a point where they were on like the same night, um, but certainly like when Walking Dead seasons would end, it would pretty much go right into the Game of Thrones season. So, oh yeah, man, that was that was so great back in the day when they they would both be on. But oh well, Game of Thrones is over, and House of the Dragon is at least two years away still. <sighs> the wait begins. Um, anyway, now the episode was very good, and I'm just very intrigued as to if the Whisperers conflict. And Walking Dead is really actually going to wrap up next week. It kind of seems that they're hinting um, that that would be the case. Although, I don't remember if there's ever been a season of The Walking Dead that has not ended with... I mean, besides season four, when the governor had that like eight-episode second arc, if you will, uh, that was the last time I remember a villain story ending mid-season or not at the end uh, of the season, so... Um, I'm kind of down for it. I I almost like would prefer that. And like the last four episodes of the season, maybe are just like a new story because we know Lauren Cohan is coming back, uh, playing Maggie, and I believe she's going to be part of introducing the Commonwealth uh, arc from the comics. I don't know, but I mean that just seems the most logical. Um, but uh, yeah. So that's 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 where we're at right now in The Walking Dead. As I mentioned prior, uh, during the Black Widow discussion. I, um, we, we all found out last week that, you know, No Time to Die, 25th James Bond film, is moving back seven months um, from, like, April 6th, I believe it was, or April 13th, something like that, to now, what is it, November 25th, I want to say. Um, it's, like, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I think they're, they're going to push it five days after Godzilla vs. Kong, King Kong, whatever that movie's going to be called, that's probably going to be terrible because King of Monsters was terrible. Um, but, you know, it's it's a, it was a very fascinating thing to see because I figured right... When I saw those articles, when I saw the 007 Twitter account tweet that out, I was like, man, are we in for a bunch of big movies to be pushing back the release dates like are we in for at this point where maybe theaters start to shut down or studios start to i, I don't want to say shut down because i always feel like hollywood 
and I heard Jeff Snyder say this on his podcast as well, but it, it, they always feel like it's slightly ahead of things where they they know a little bit more than everybody else does um, because of how connected everybody is in Hollywood and everybody's agents or, uh, you know, they, they're backing the same, like, news people that are reporting the news. Not that you can trust the news on everything, but it... I don't know. It, it feels like if, if Hollywood is still putting out big movies and they're still asking people to come to the theaters, I, I don't I don't know if... I don't know. I don't want to say it's not as bad as we think it is because I'm sure it's really awful for plenty of parts of this world uh, as we know. Um, but I'm, I'm, it, it gives me a little more hope that the coronavirus isn't as bad um, if there's still big movies being put out in theaters and because you know how much money these theaters, or not even just the theaters, the studios would be losing money. Like, just take a look at Onward's box office, and what we're gonna get to, you know, my thoughts on Onward. But the fact that a Pixar movie, a movie that is as good as Onward is, only debuted to thirty-five to forty million dollars, like lower than everything. But I think the Good Dinosaur and Toy Story, the original Toy Story, I mean, that's insane. Uh, yeah, it, it's crazy. So, time will tell. Um, but certainly, the Bond shifting, the Bond movie shifting release dates was was eye opening for sure. It definitely was. Uh, I don't know much about the story other than the fact that we did hear the Last of Us TV series is in the works at HBO, and that's being showrun by, I believe, the creator of the the video game and Chernobyl creator Craig Mazin. Um, this is really cool news. I've played like the first, I don't think there's like levels. It's like the first couple story beats of The Last of Us. I played it like six years ago when I about got my PS4. Um, I got to go back to that game though, because it was a really good game. I just don't remember why I fell off of playing it. Um, and I just think the fact that HBO wants to produce this, uh, is, is incredible. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be absolutely amazing, especially because you have the sequel coming out too. So, HBO, they're they're in the they're in the long game for for money. So I'm I'm assuming this will probably also come out in like 2022, um, maybe late 2021. I don't know. I don't know if it has as much uh, pre-production as House of the Dragon would. Not as much sets being built. Probably not as much special effects. Something a little more low budget, like The Walking Dead. Not that The Walking Dead is low budget, but it doesn't cost as much money as the uh, uh, Game of Thrones would, of course. But that is awesome to hear it just is uh quiet place 2 uh had its premiere plenty of reactions from critics it seems to be just as good as the first one and full of tension people are talking about how good of a killian murphy movie this is and i love me some killian murphy i'll see anything he does so i'm stoked to hear that um and i mean i can't wait i cannot wait we got two weeks from thursday is it two weeks from thursday i believe so because uh, you got Bloodshot this week, and then I think, is it Mulan the following week? Something like that. Um, yeah, I'm absolutely stoked, and I cannot wait. Anything Emily Blunt does at this point is absolutely golden for me. So, All right, we already mentioned Christian Bale is, is officially playing the villain in Thor 4. I mean, Matt Reveal, uh, not revealed, Matt Reeves revealed the first look at the Batmobile for his uh, Batman movie coming out in 2021. Uh, it was cool. It was cool, but it, it looked... Um, I don't know. I, I need to see a better look at it. 
And I'm sure just like when he revealed the first look at Bobby Batts' Bat- Batman suit, I'm sure we're going to get some daylight photos of the Batmobile considering whenever they put out photos of these things, that means they're about to start filming outside. Um, I mean, we've known that for years. That's always what it means because they don't want paparazzi to give you the first look uh, at the bat suit or the Batmobile or anything like that. That's always what it means. So I'm sure we're going to get some better shots of the Batmobile, but I just need to see. It's, it, it's a dark picture. It just kind of looks like a really cool, and I don't mean this to, to sound mean, but it just looks like a really cool, like, what, what are they called? Hot Wheels toys or whatever, whatever they are. Like, it just looks like something that, that uh, a toy company would create um, and put out there as the Batmobile, not necessarily something for a movie. Um, but, you know, you never know. I, I still think it looked cool. As teased before, another Vin Diesel guilty pleasure movie of his in his brilliant filmography full of fast cars and stupid action movies that are absolutely awesome is none other than The Last Witch Hunter is getting a sequel at Lionsgate. Again, how much can you trust Vin Diesel in an interview like this where he's just dropping nuggets left and right to, to get more press? I don't know. I don't, know if, I don't know how much you could trust this, um, but at the very least, it's, it, it, it is, it's a good sign because I really did enjoy that last Witch Hunter movie. I'm going to tell you right now, the movie's not good, um, but I really like Rose Leslie. I mean, you had Michael Caine in that movie. Um, it, just, it was fun. It, it, was, it was bad, but it was really fun. Uh, yeah, that's right. Elijah Wood was in that movie. Like, oh my god, I totally forgot about that. Um, I mean, yeah, a bunch of nobodies, pretty much, besides those three or four. Um, but yeah, I mean, what is this director even doing now? Breck Eisner? Like, get this guy back. I mean, he he did just just good enough job. I mean, he's just directing TV. He's directing The Brave and The Expanse. Like, yeah, yeah, you can get him back. Uh, and speaking of which, like The Expanse, Prime Video. Like, I don't know why. Why have I never checked out this show? Is it any good? I don't know. Anyway, I'm getting distracted here. All right. So, yeah, The Last Witch Hunter is getting a sequel. All right. We got a couple reviews here before I do a a Pixar ranking. Um, But I did see both The Way Back and Onward, and I'm going to start with The Way Back. Um, What an amazing performance Ben Affleck gives. This could very well be his best in his entire filmography. Um, The the arc that he goes on, and like him and Gavin O'Connor, I mean, these this is guy this is a great team. Gavin O'Connor, in general, is just a great sports film director. Miracle, Warrior, and now this. And I feel like I'm forgetting one more that he did. That's his sports movie. This guy just has a great sense of, of what it takes to make uh, a great sports movie. Something that like if it. it, it you know, saying it's a sports movie, it feels like a detriment to the film because it's really so much more than that. There's basketball scenes, but even every basketball scene that you get, you get maybe a couple minutes, but then they'll just show the score at the end of the game and, and they'll have like a certain emotion that you're supposed to feel uh, via still image from a character. Usually it's Ben Affleck's uh, character, just reaction. But they know, this film knows that it doesn't need to focus on the basketball to get you in, to reel you in. It's a tough watch at times, uh, it 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 really is tough to to see Ben Affleck both as an actor and as a person kind of go through 
these difficulties with alcoholism, especially because it, it kind of mirrors his real life. Um, and I, I'm sure that that's maybe what drew Ben Affleck to the film, and maybe that's what drew Gavin O'Connor to approach Ben Affleck for the film. Maybe it, it, that kind of seems twisted, but um, maybe it's just something, you know, hey, I'm working on this film. This guy's a troubled guy. You know, you're a great actor. You know, you could pull this off. And then Ben's like, well, you know, going through that in my real life too. But anyway, uh, there's there's a lot of comparisons between Ben and, and his character in this film. But it's just so it's so much more of the sports movie. It's so much more than just a Ben Affleck uh, film. It, it is, it's just a great drama. Uh, so I was really impressed. And I was even moved, to, not necessarily like crying, but I was moved. I got teary-eyed a couple of times. And it, 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 was, it was real effective. So uh, I would check out The Way Back. And, and kind of same thing with Onward, I got to say. So the, the marketing campaign for Onward, like when the when Scott Mance is tweeting out it only made thirty five to forty million dollars opening weekend, like I, not that I know how to market this film because I, I it's definitely a tough film to market. I don't feel like the marketing did it did this film a favor at all. It it it, it built it as more of like a minions type stupid adventure with characters that are making loud noises and. and doing all sorts of goofy moves and action. It's like, no, I don't need to see that. That's that's a Minions film. That's a Secret Life of Pets film. That's that's Illumination. Pixar is so much more than that. And you could see by by the way that this film was executed that, that Onward absolutely was that as well. Um, the journey that these guys go on, like, as much as I love fantasy, like, I could, you take away all the fantasy elements that admittedly do pretty much need to be there because of, what the story is you know these kids um that that both lost their father really young one was like one years old one was three i believe um and and they just want to bring their father back because they get this note on uh, the one kid's birthday that's has like a a a magic stick and uh has has a spell on it so they try it and then they bring him back but it's only the bottom half his body like that's a fantasy element that's a high concept if you will um and if you put all of that aside i just loved the the brother story of this And, and it is another story about family but um, just the twists and turns that it takes and the, the story choices that I, I really didn't expect it to make. Um, I was really impressed. And this isn't really a total spoiler, but the idea that, like, you know, you don't always realize what you got until it's gone. And even the things that, you, like, when you don't realize the things that you have, like, they're right in front of you. Like, the thing you're looking for sometimes is just right in front of you, whether that's an emotion, whether that's a person. Um, whether that's just a, a thing you desire in life. Sometimes it's right there in front of you. You're just looking for something else um, out there, even though it could very well be right in front of you. Uh, I just found that to be really, really powerful. So is Onward a top film um, in the Pixar filmography? I, you know, I don't know. Like, I'm even looking at my list right now. I'm like, do I kind of want to move some stuff around? I I don't know. I think we're going to wait and see here. Um, but I, I really I really dug it. I, I really did. Um, so here we go. Let me just make one final change here. 
Okay. Okay, make sure I got all of them. I think I do. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we're 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 doing the the, the ranking of every Pixar film because I saw in Collider um, that they had a ranking, and they always they like to tweet out their little rankings that post their articles. Adam Chitwood loves stirring the pot, um, but I'm not even gonna look at this Collider list until I give my own list. Uh, and I'm not going to give major reasons for everyone, but if they need reasons, I, I will provide them. But it, it's funny. I'm looking at I'm looking at this list, and I'm like, there's a lot of films on here I've only seen once and don't even really remember that well. Uh, but I think some people are going to be surprised with some of my bottom ones. First of all, I haven't seen Cars 3 or Cars 2. So those are the bottom two films because I simply have not seen them. Um, number 20. And, and this is probably going to stun a lot of people. I really did not like The Incredibles 2. And that is my number 20 film. So out of all the Pixar films I've seen, that is my least favorite one. Why? The villain was... The villain twist that they had was stupid. It felt like so repetitive. The only real good scene is with Jack-Jack and the raccoon. Um... Yeah, to me, it's just not for me. I don't know why I don't like The Incredibles films. I'm a huge superhero film guy. I love animated films. I love Michael Giacchino's scores. Um, I don't know. It's just not for me. It's just not for me. I don't know why. Uh, the Good Dinosaur is coming in at number 19 for me. Again, I, I barely remember anything from this film, but I remember it being like pushed back a bunch of times. I think it came out the same year as... Inside Out or Finding Dory? It was like they were two in the same year and this was completely forgotten about. But I think I remember being like, it was okay. Again, I just don't remember it at all. Um, number 18 is The Incredibles. As a kid, I do remember liking this film more, but I, I barely ever go back to watch this film. I think I, I can't remember if I watched this one again in preparation for the second one. Um, yeah, just not a fan of these characters. I really really don't like the villain in, in the first Incredibles 2. Okay, number 17 is Monsters U. Another film I don't remember as much, but I remember liking the, the different uh, the different dynamic that Mike and, and Sully had uh, in this movie is, is, of course, they meet in college and they become like roommates, I think. And, uh, you know, it's like a reversed situation for both of them. And, and I found that to be interesting. I just don't remember it as much. 16 Brave. I can't even tell you really what the storyline is other than I think that the daughter's having issues with uh, the mother and then the mother turns into a bear, something along those lines. I think it was decent. I just don't remember. 15 is Cars. That's a good movie um, that unfortunately people said just didn't have good sequels. So I never found it. Um, I never found the, the desire to go see the second or third one. Um, that is no the first cars is a pretty good movie 14 is ratatouille 13 is up um ratatouille i've only seen once and it was like 10 years ago probably uh but good film uh up an incredible first 15 minutes the rest of the film is just like ah, it's fine you got a dog barking for like 40 minutes of the movie and uh the kid's kind of annoying but first 15 minutes is an absolute masterpiece Maybe, what is it, first 10 minutes maybe? I don't know. 
But that's definitely why I got nominated for Best Picture. If you don't have those first 10 minutes, that thing's not getting nominated for Best Picture. It's not getting adapted screenplay. It's not, or uh, original screenplay. It's not getting any of that stuff. Number 12 is Wally. Similar situation to Up, actually. I really dig the first half when it's like a silent film um, with him and, him and Eve. Is it Eve or Evo? I don't know. Eva? One of those two. One of those three. Uh, but I, I, I dig that. Then when it gets into the all like the political, not political, but social commentary and all this stuff, it's like, I take it or leave it. I don't need to see this in an animated film. Um, but it was a sweet love story for like the first half. Number 11 is Monsters, Inc. I love this movie up until that weird, like all of a sudden out of left field transition where... Uh, Sully is with the abominable snowman and he's got to like make his way back and Randall's shoving him outdoors and it's like what are we doing here stay on track like him this the story of Sully and Boo is where it's why you go to the theater and that's that's why you continue to watch that film over and over again and why you love his characters and why they made Monsters You um I just don't need I don't need this stupid side arc thing get this out of here uh Number 10, I think, is one of the most underrated films on this list, if not the most underrated film, uh, and that is A Bug's Life. I really dig A Bug's Life. Uh, I love the villain. I think the villain's played by Kevin Spacey, I want to say. Or maybe that's Ants. I can't remember if he's in Ants or this one. But uh, they both came out similar times, and I think A Bug's Bug's Life takes the cake by far. Uh, I I just love the arc. I, I love the design of the bugs, if that makes any sense i love the i just love the the story of the grasshoppers versus the ants it's like nobody ever thinks about these type of stories not that this is like real life or anything but i'm sure it has some sort of uh, element of truth to it uh number nine is where we have the most recent film onward uh so again i absolutely adore the final 15 minutes of the film i really dig the opening the stuff in the middle is good, and it's stuff you'll probably forget about, but you're really going to remember those final moments of Onward and how special they really are. There's, I mean, there's some really great Pixar magic in those final 15 minutes, um, and and I'm, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it right now. Uh, number eight is Coco, similar to Onward. A very, very emotional journey uh, that these characters go on, and one of the most beautifully-looking films as well uh, on this list and yeah whenever they whenever i hear remember me it's just uh that's tough that's tough to even hear uh number seven is finding dory probably a lot higher than most people's list um but i just love these characters so much i love the new additions like the the sigourney weaver inside joke the idris elba thing was funny yeah i mean it's just great. Thomas Newman's score as well. Of course, we're going to get to the original in a little bit. Number six, I have Toy Story 2. So that is my least favorite Toy Story, but it's still so much better than most of the Pixar films that it ranks at number six for me. Uh, the introduction of Jessie um, and, and her story and that song is devastating. And I love the finale and, and the, the airplane, the, the suitcases and all that stuff. That was great. And a great computer game that this game is based off of, too. Or, I'm sorry, the computer game is based off the film. Uh, number five, I have Toy Story 4. So, I can go back and forth with 4 and 2. Like, 
I think the more I watch Toy Story 4, maybe it'll go lower, maybe it'll jump higher. Uh, I definitely liked it a lot the first time. Second time, I'm like, this is very good. Didn't like it as much, but I still get very emotional in those final few lines because of the history of all those characters. I just still do wish that that Buzz and, and Jesse and, and, and all of them would have a little bit more screen time compared to the newer characters, but that's just me. Number four, I have Inside Out. Perhaps the, the most original story out of any of these, perhaps aside from the, the original Toy Story. Um, what a beautiful Michael Giacchino score. Uh, what a just immersive experience and, and storytelling device that I think it's Pete Docter uses. The, the fact that uh, we're kind of inside the mind of a young girl. Was she 8 or 9, 10, 11? I don't know what she is. She's young, and she's going through all these emotions, and you're inside her head, and it's, oh. And the stuff with Bing Bong, I mean, come on. Um, number three, I have Finding Nemo. I think, let me take a glance here. I think Finding Nemo, to me, has the best original score out of any of these films, and is simply one of the best original scores of all time. Thomas Newman's uh, theme is amazing. The character's are very memorable. Like I still quote to this day those seagulls that, that get in there. I think they're seagulls or some sort of birds make those noises. I still still always uh, do that to this day. And, and I love the shark bait bit. Uh, God, I still think about so many things at that dentist office. Um, but really it comes down to the Marlin and, and, and Dory relationship and, and their journey that they go on and all those characters and Oh man, the turtle sequence is is absolutely glorious to watch. I kind of just want to watch Finding Nemo tonight. Uh, number two, I have Toy Story three. It was a battle, guys. It was a battle. Toy Story three and Toy Story one. Number one and two. I mean, what can I say? But I had to go with the original at number one, uh, number three at number two because uh, it's just a legacy that that first one has. Albeit the ending to Toy Story three is so goddamn perfect uh, that it. It kind of made me mad that they made a sequel, but at the same time, I completely understood it. I think it was still warranted, um, but it just, it, nothing could come close to that. The first Toy Story film that's like 80 minutes long, it's just so picture perfect, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I can't, I cannot ever get tired of that film. Um, so, let's go to Collider's list and see how I, my list ranks up against them. So, 22, they do have Cars 2. At 21, they have the good dinosaur. Okay, so this is slightly similar so far. Cars 3 at number 20. So they essentially have the same bottom three, save for Incredibles 2, and I guarantee Incredibles 2 is going to be way higher on their list. Uh, number 19, see they have a Bug's Life at number 19. I, I don't, I don't, no, no. I love a Bug's Life. Number 18, they have Brave. That's similar to where I have it. I have it at 16. Um, let's see here. Number 17, they have Finding Dory. Man, dang. They, see, he calls it a shameless cash grab. I, I don't know. That That's a great story they have there, so I, I don't know about that. Um, number 16, they have Monster U. Uh, and I had that at 17, so that, you know, that's right along the same. 15, they have Incredibles 2. So, wow, I am, I am shocked that he doesn't have this higher. A lot of people love Incredibles 2. Um, what does he say about it? Kids, family that shines. He says it's the best action movie Pixar has ever made, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. 
Muddled thematics. Yeah, I agree. Number 14, he has cars. Where did I have cars again? I had a number 15. So I'm, I'm not... They're not too dissimilar than, than uh, Adam Chetwood here. Number 13, he has Onward. So he has it at 13. That's that's not bad. Um, but yeah, I think that I think this movie's going to age well, though. I really do. Okay. Number 12, he's got Toy Story 4. So obviously I had it way higher. Number 11, he's got Ratatouille. I think that that's where that movie's going to fall for a lot of people. I have it at 14, but I, I think it's I think it's just uh, above average. I don't I don't think it's great. Number 10, he's got Toy Story 2. Wow. People do love Toy Story 2, but I didn't think it would be or I think he would have it higher than that. Wow. Okay. And yeah, that is he does mention here the film was entirely reworked just months before release with John Lasseter taking over as director and crafting a completely new story that riffs on the culture of toy collectors while also expanding the Toy Story mythology in a way that feels organic. He's right. I remember reading about that stuff. I mean, it's it's crazy how much of a success Toy Story 2 is um, considering its troubled production. Um, so anyway. All right, number nine, he's got Coco. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's pretty much where I had it, right? I had it at eight. So, I mean, we're I'm pretty similar to this guy. Number eight... He has Toy Story 3. This guy is out of his mind. I Okay, what, what is his argument here? He's probably just going to say, well, it's just not as good as the ones above it. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, he doesn't even really have anything bad to say. It's just... It's just lower. Wow. Okay. All right, well, I don't know about that, Adam. Up, really, really up is higher than Toy Story 3. Okay, all right, all right. Number six, he's got Toy Story. So he has that number six. So what does he have even left at this point? He's probably got Monsters, Inc. left, right? Number five, he's got Inside Out. Yeah, I mean, that's undoubtedly understandable. Number four, he's got The Incredibles. Number three, he has Monsters, Inc. Wow. So what do you got, Nemo and Toy Story? No, Nemo. Finding Nemo at number two, and what's number one? Wally. Wow. He's got Wally at number one. Yeah, see, and he, yeah, no dialogue in the first hour. Yeah, that's that's the aspects of the film that I like. Um, I just, I, I'm not a huge fan of that second half of the film. Although it does go in directions I didn't expect. Um, but the Finding Nemo at number two makes complete sense. I mean, I had that at number three. I think that film was an absolute masterpiece um but yeah that that'll do it for collider's list my list was there let's just go ahead and check this make sure there's no more breaking news um da, 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 da. i don't see any tweets from snyder i mean i did see the fact that scott derrickson is apparently um is apparently uh, directing that bermuda movie with chris evans which sounds kind of cool um yeah, I mean, this is... Do, 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 do. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. I don't see any sort of breaking news. I think that's going to be it for the T-Draft the Film Buff podcast. Have a bloodshot, and I mean the film, bloodshot-filled weekend. God, I cannot wait for that film.